How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. So good to be back here with you. If you just stumbled upon the podcast, welcome. We're super glad that you're here. We are a group of guys from all over the world who are trying to take our faith, our family, and our marriage very seriously. We would love to have you come be part of our little community. You can do that by going to dadtired.com. Click the community tab, and that will link you over to a closed group that we have on Facebook. We also have a free book, 10 Practical Ways That Will Help You Lead Your Family to Jesus Today. You can get that book. It's an ebook, totally free. You can read it in one sitting. It's short and quick, but very practical. You can get that by going to dadtired.com forward slash free book. Um, that'll be in the show notes for you. And finally, what will be in the show notes is this interview was actually recorded via video as well. So if you would prefer to watch this uh, on YouTube, you can click the link in the show notes there and uh, watch it over on YouTube. I'm going to try to do that more and more for you guys so that you, I know some of you guys like to watch it or uh, prefer watching over listening. So want to give you the option to do that as much as possible. Uh, Before we dive into today's great interview, we have Dr. Joe Martin on the podcast today, and it's just such a good interview. Um, I feel like it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger uh, the whole time we were going uh, to the point where at the very end of the interview, I was literally, like literally, legitimately holding back, just like losing it with tears. Uh, You'll probably hear me get like really quiet, and that's because I was like pulling away from the mic (laughs) and uh, just trying not to like ugly cry. Uh, Joe, Dr. Joe Martin just like shares some really powerful, good stuff, man. He shares a story and uh, it, man, you're going to, I promise you, you're going to get a ton out of today's podcast. But before we dive into that, I do want to thank my friends over at Osmo for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, I just want to tell you guys this, most of the sponsors that you hear on our show, probably 90 plus percent of them come because I personally found a product as a dad, a product or a service as a dad, and I loved it. And so then I reached out to that company and said, hey, I love what you have going, either as a dad, a husband, or a man. And I'm like, hey, I have a podcast for men. Uh, I personally love your product. I think that other guys in our community would love your product. Would you be interesting interested in sponsoring a show. So if you've ever wondered like how I get ads, that is honestly how. And and the reason I do that is because then I can tell you guys about these so organically. Like I actually uh, love talking about these products because I've personally loved them before I even reached out to them. So today, Osmo is one of those brands. Uh, I We got Osmos, the, the, some devices for our kids. A device isn't the right word. It's like this thing that they can play with. It hooks up to an iPad or a tablet. And then they, they have all kinds of games. My daughter in particular loves to draw. And so you put this little like whiteboard next to the iPad and it's got this mirror on it. So it has a very interactive element to it. So whenever she draws on the whiteboard, that character or whatever she draws actually comes onto the screen and they play out a whole story. And she goes through this whole story where she's interacting through her actual drawings. It's honestly amazing. (laughs) Even to like right now, I still don't know fully how the technology works, but I love it. Uh, And I just, again, I loved it. I reached out to them. I'm like, Hey, we love your products. Would you be interested in sponsoring the episode? They said, absolutely. We love what you guys are doing. And so anyway, uh, if you go to playosmo.com, playosmo.com, that's P-L-A-Y-O-S-M-O. You'll find all kinds of great 
products and stuff that your kids, it's highly educational. It interacts like, uh, you know, normal non-screen time tech free stuff with technology it really is just incredible if you need like just a 20 minute break from homeschooling uh, in the middle of all this and you still want your kids to maybe have a little bit of screen time but also be using their brain and creativity definitely please check out their products they're amazing playosmo.com you can get all of those uh you can see all their products and all the good stuff they have going all right let's dive into today's episode with dr joe martin i know you guys are going to love it uh or you can go over to youtube and watch it over there Joe, so grateful that you decided to hang out with us today. Glad to have you on the Dad Tired podcast, man. I've hung out with you on your podcast, but uh, for the audience who may not be familiar with you, maybe give us an update on who you are and what you're up to these days. Well, I'll give you a brief intro that, um, uh, like you mentioned, my name is Dr. Joe Martin, and I'm the creator and founder of a, a nonprofit faith-based organization called Real Men Connect. And what we do is we just make sure that we help men win at what matters most to them, which is one, having a relation with Christ, number one, um, being a hero of their homes, in their homes, winning at work, and um, making sure they leave a legacy, um, a faith that make them want to be followed by their following Christ. Mm. So that's what we do. That's awesome, man. Very few people get into that because they had a perfect childhood and upbringing. And then they're like, man, I want to pass on my perfect legacy to a bunch of other guys. Um, Most guys who are in men's ministry came through some hurt uh, to get there. Uh, So I'd love to just hear like, how did this all get started for you? How did you get to a spot where you feel like, man, I want to pour into other guys' lives? Well, I tell people the quickest way to my story, or at least the best way to summarize it, I call it rags to riches um, from rags to riches to ruin to redemption, Jared. Yeah. Um, the rags store part of my story is I grew up in one of the toughest um, inner city projects and ghettos in Miami, Florida, in a place called Liberty City. Mm. And Jared, I know you're from um, a generation prior to mine. So the way I can help you um, know who um, what Liberty City is about, have you ever heard of a game, video game called Grand Theft Auto? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I played that way too much and I should not have. Uh, my mom would have killed me had she known how much I played that game and what was actually going on in there. But yeah. Yeah, but of- you know, my son, even when he was growing up, he wanted to play that game. And I told him that um, they made one of the video series games on based on our neighborhood. Oh, wow. And so I, I told my son, I said, when they make a video game based on your neighborhood, that's not a good thing. <laughs> so, right. But I, I grew up there and abject poverty, obviously, um, was exposed to a lot of things that probably children should not be exposed to. Uh, my mom was a teenage mother. Mm. She had me at the age of 16. Wow. Had my sister at the age of 17. So by the, while she was a junior in high school, she had two children. Wow. And she was one of 12 kids. Wow. So she dropped out of high school to pretty much provide for us because my dad ended up leaving Mm. and he abandoned us when I was only two years old and never heard from him until I I got older, but he wasn't there for anything. So uh, we couldn't depend on our dad for for much. I mean, he didn't take care of us, no Christmas gifts, no visits, no cards, nothing. Mm. And so my mom was um, left there by herself pretty much um, to take care of us. But my mom had a very trauma uh, ridden childhood herself she lost her mom at the age of 12 wow and her dad my grandfather passed away when she was only 27 mm. and so she lost both parents so imagine now she's 27 with two children no husband living in the projects living in the hood and we're on public assistance welfare and everything and there were nights we didn't eat but my mom based on her own trauma she went through a very severe depression 
and she developed a, a really bad drinking problem. Mm. And it got out of control pretty much. And either my mom was very loving or she was very angry a lot. Mm. You can imagine listen, looking at her lot in life, thinking this is what my life has come to. Um, but I'm, now I'm going to get past the, the, um, the rags part because in that rag story is a lot of trauma. You're talking about not only my mom being a, a, an alcoholic, she was also um, very abusive mm. and a loving person. She did the best she could. My mom just passed away in um, November of this oh, past wow. year on Thanksgiving. Oh my God. And I did a show, Jared, on, you know, you do a podcast and I did a show as a tribute to her yeah. because I, she has a story that's untold. Mm. And how my mom survived her life is beyond me, but she loved the Lord and mm. I know where she is right now. But um, in addition to that, my sister and I pretty much had to raise ourselves from being nine years old up until I graduated from high school. And um, I went through a lot of trauma of watching some of my friends uh, murdered in front of me. Mm. I lost six of my friends while I was 16 years old. So in high school, I was pretty much a depressed kid, but I basking it very well, though. I, you know, I was a nice kid, but I was mm. um, going through a lot internally because um, the only man that ever meant anything to me that my mom allowed into our lives was my cousin, who was about six or seven years older than I was. He sexually abused me as a child for three mm. years. Oh my God. And my mom didn't know about it. I didn't tell my mom about that until, man, about, you're talking about 19 years later. Wow. And when I was in my 30s, around your age, I didn't tell my mom. And that's when I get to the, um, the ruined part <laughs> when I tell my story. But we're still on the rags part of the story. And so I was suicidal from age 12 in middle school um, up until I graduated from high school. Mm. Now, you're asking, how did I get into um, men's ministry or working with men? It didn't start out that way. I started working in education. But mm. you can see now why. Mm. Because here I grew up in a, in a place in an environment where education was not number one. It was not a priority. I thought that was the answer. Yeah. Um, and so... The rags part takes me out to the richest part because I wasn't really smart in school. I was a, a C student, but I worked very hard. And the only reason I went to college, I, I did it on a dare mm. because I was directed not to go to college because I wasn't smart enough. Mm. And, you know, when somebody tells you you can't do something, you want to prove them yeah, wrong. Right. You know, so because unless you're going to prove them right. So I decided to um, I, I applied to colleges, got turned down by at least 30 colleges because wow. <laughs> of my SAT scores. And um. I was accepted to a community college because they'll let anybody in community college. <laughs> and my first semester in college, I had a 4.0, taking mm. 17 credits and never made an A before in my life other than PE. What, what, what changed? How did you go from C student to jumping into college? And um, total, I, I call it, it was more desperation than inspiration mm. because the, this Navy recruiter told me I couldn't do it. He, and let me put it, give you in his words. He says, when I told him I wanted to go to college, he says, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I said, why not? He says, because, Joe, you're a good kid, but you're, you know, you're not that smart. Mm. I said, well, I know that. But a lot of my other friends, they're not smart either, but they're going to college. Mm. And this is how low my self-esteem was. I even agree with them. I know I'm not that smart, <laughs> but I say, but they're going. So maybe I can go. He said, Joe, but, you're, he said, but your um, problem is a little bit more serious than theirs. I said, well, what's my problem? He said, Joe, I saw your SAT scores. I'm like, Ann. He said, Joe, your scores are so low, they won't let you drive by college. And he laughed, but I didn't think it was funny, Jared. Mm. You know, and I share the story of people, you know, kids laugh when they hear the story. And I said, no, but it really lit a fire under me because, mm. you know, I wasn't that smart, but I also knew I wasn't really working that hard in school because I was trying to survive yeah. my teenage years. I wasn't trying to focus on homework. You're telling me to do homework and I got a man touching me at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're telling me I need to focus on my academics when 
I don't know if I'm going to eat tonight. Mm. You know, you're telling me that I need to focus on studying when I don't know if my mom's going to be dead or drunk when I get home. Mm. And so I wasn't really working hard. And so when I got into college, um, I had to go about eight hours away from, um, from home. Never been outside of Miami. Now, Jared, this is how sheltered my life was. I was so sheltered in Miami, and you played the video game, Grand Theft Auto. I was so sheltered, I didn't even know we had South Beach in mm. Miami. Wow. I didn't even know South Beach existed. I didn't even see the ocean wow. while I was in Miami. Because everything you, you needed was in your hood. And we had our neighborhood was so big, we had five high schools and two malls. Wow. So I didn't meet a white child till I was 12. Wow. So what I was sheltered. Sorry, I have so many questions as I go I'm, ahead, I'm man. Interrupt you as you as you share. But what 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 was the environment like for like other dads? Were other dads engaged, or was it oh, just like a fatherless? Jared, don't even go there, man. Don't even go there. I, <laughs> this is how bad our neighborhood was. I only knew one kid in my neighborhood who had a mom and dad at home. Wow. Now I just told you a neighborhood where there's five high schools, two malls. You're talking about thousands of males. Only one man had a wife Wow. when I was growing up. Now, wow. I didn't know God was even plant, plotting out my, my life with men's ministry because I wouldn't think I didn't even like men. I mean, right. I, I couldn't stand them because the men in my life either abandoned me. They were abusive to me, right. um, rejected me. And they were also a lot of criminals in our neighborhood. You're talking about drug dealers, gangbangers. Um, I mean, you name it. Womenizers. And so pimps. So and what was the hustlers. what was the culture of men? Were they just sleeping around, getting women pregnant, and then just like hanging around, like just kind of never settling down at one particular place? It was just like, well, let me paint a, let men, me, there are men around, but they're just yeah. Not. Let me let me paint a picture for you. I, I saw I saw either two two things. A lot of boys my age who were really good at athletics. Mm. <laughs> we had a lot of guys. We had kids from our neighborhood who went to pros. Mm. You know, who were very good in athletics, and then I would see these. Um, most guys who were middle aged, about your age, my age, I saw them hanging out at the stores on the corners, you know, you know, screaming at women, "Hey, girl!" You know, yeah. call out. But I never saw them with boys. Mm. In other words, mm. I saw these fathers. I'm thinking, how did these boys get here? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Come right. here somewhere. It wasn't immaculate conception. Right. But I never saw them with their dads. So I never saw dads with fathers. But I realized now as I got older, I'm like, wait a minute, there were a lot of fathers. They just weren't being fathers. Yeah. And then the older guys, I never saw them with the middle aged guys. So mm. I never saw the connection of discipleship, right. of mentors yep. and that kind of thing. I never saw that. And so the only kid I knew had a mom and dad in the home. Now, check this out. The only married couple I saw until I graduated from high school in my neighborhood. Now, there were people who had moms and dads when I went to my high school because they integrated the high school. So I was at a predominantly white high school. Okay. But the only kid I knew who had a mom and dad in the home, his family, it wasn't even a good marriage. Mm. You know, they didn't even um, sleep in the same room. Wow. And the dad was a bootlegger. He sold on videotapes. They tell you how old I am. You sell videotapes out of the back <laughs> yeah, of his car. Yeah. And the mom was a numbers runner. Mm. So imagine my portrait in my mindset of what a family is. Yeah. Hold on. What's, what a, a, numbers, is. what's a numbers runner? Oh, oh, numbers. Were, oh, I forgot. Uh, think about lottery. You know how people okay. they buy lottery tickets. Well, yeah, before yeah. lottery became legal, yeah. <laughs> what they would do is they would bet on numbers from the horses at the, uh, at the track and the tr races. And I don't even know how the system works, but they would pick a certain numbers based on the winners of the races. And people used to bet money hmm. on what numbers will come in. 
and there was a bookie who would take all the numbers. That was this woman who was the wife. She had, she had a little fee. Right. She would get a fee from taking all their numbers and she would pay out um, the winners. Dude, so it was the lottery, but illegal. Yeah. You know, what's funny about, you know, what's funny about that, man, is I grew up in the, you know, probably not at, they didn't make Grand Theft Auto in my neighborhood, but I grew up in the ghetto for sure. In Stockton, California, mm-hmm. highest crime rate, highest, you know, terrible neighborhood. And the amount of entrepreneurship that happens in these <laughs> <No>. neighborhoods, <laughs> like, man, people are really clever. Uh, and yeah, not a ton of resources, but entrepreneurship is there for sure. You know, my uh, brother, I have a half brother who, um, recently got out of prison. Oh, I didn't even mm-hmm. mention that about my family mm-hmm. that, um, I have at least, um, probably at least two dozen friends who are doing time in prison right now, mm-hmm. which is the reason why I could never run for president. I know too many people, <laughs> but, um, but I have three family members who spent time in prison. Um, one is doing a life sentence one and two recently got out. My half brother just got out about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me when he got out, he says, he said, Joe, I realize now he said, after being in prison and being around a lot of criminals, he said, cause he used to sell drugs. Mm-hmm. And he says, man, he said, if I would have known it was this easy to make money outside of prison, I would have gone legit a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, he was making money just with doing it in a legal way. Right, right. Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying. Well, I sidetracked you. Okay. So you oh. you got you got into community college. You started yeah. to do a good job in community college. Oh man, I oh Jared, my life turned around. And I thought education was the answer, which was the reason why I went into education, because um I ended up in a transfer into a four-year school. Uh, went to a predominantly white school. There was about 10,000 students. I was the only African-American male in all of my classes. Wow. And so think about 10,000 students. I mean, even the white people on our campus were complaining. Why are there so many white people around here? <laughs> <laughs> they, they couldn't believe it. And so I went to that school, graduated early at the mm. age of 20. Wow. Top of my university class. Wow. I was voted student of the year out of 10,000 students on that campus. Gave the commencement address um, at our graduation Turned my life around, um, ended up moving my mom out of the projects, um, bought her home, moved out of the projects. Um, bought How did you do house. that? I, mean, dude, I got so many questions. I mean, I know they're just going to be so many people listening to this and going to have so many questions. Uh, okay, I got a million questions, but how did you do that? Because there's a lot of guys who are going to hear that that you were able to turn your life around. And I'm just thinking for guys who are like in any situation, maybe they didn't grow right. up in the ghetto or whatever, but maybe it's not school related, but just they haven't been able to get to a place where they can actually feel like I'm going to get my life turned around. I'm right. going to figure out how to get out of where I was or these habits that I've always been a part of. How did you do that? Like what talk us through that. They're going to be mad at me, Jared, because um, I probably should have led with this because I take it for granted now that I was able to do all that. I bought my first house when I was a senior in college. What in the world? Now think about it. I bought a house while I was a senior in college and didn't move my mom a year after I graduated, moved my mom out of the projects. So I keep taking this for granted that, oh, everybody knows this, how to do this. Now they're going to be mad at me, Jared, when I tell them this. You know what happened? <laughs> I had a simple. You went to the numbers lady. You went to the no. numbers lady. You won the horse race. <laughs> no, but I had a simple formula and, and I, I still use it today, Jared. I still use it today. And what it is, I simply tell, and I told, I used to teach my students this. I became the youngest professor ever had to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24. Oh my God. I had my doctorate degree before I was 30. Okay. That's incredible. Okay. And so, so I got asked the question that you just asked me, well, how'd you do it? How'd you go from the projects to becoming a professor? How'd you do that? Started my first business at the age of 22, a clothing store. And I'm going to give you the secret. Here's the formula. Simple. They said, well, how'd you do it, Dr. Joe? How'd you do it? All I, did, I said, I did this. I asked, I got answers mm. and I took action. Mm. Now let's go to the next question. That was it. <laughs> Now, and of course, they, they laugh. They wait, 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 wait a minute, right. wait a minute, wait a minute. 
You say, what you do? I say, I ask. I got answers and I took actions. Now, they said, well, I, that, it can't be that simple. I said, yes, it is. I said, Name one thing that I just told you that you're impressed with. Mm. And they said, OK, I got to know, how'd you buy your first house before you graduated from college? No one does that. I said, OK. What I did when I was a freshman, I realized that people say that when you graduate, you move them to a different tax bracket. They say it's better to own than to rent. So I'm thinking, okay, what's the difference? They say, oh, it's a huge difference. And I say, so if you were me, what would you do? They say, I will buy a house when I graduate. I said, okay. So I'm thinking, I don't know how to buy a house. Who knows more about buying a house than a real estate agent? Yeah. So this lady's name was Jane Wilcox. She worked for Remax Realty. I walked into her office as a freshman, Jared, mm. as a freshman. I say, um, Ms. Wilcox, my name is Joe Martin. I say, you don't know me, but I'm a freshman in college and I'm broke. I said, but when I graduate, I would like to buy a house. And I was wondering, could you help me? She started laughing. She said, help you? I said, yeah. I said, I just want to know what it takes to buy a house. Yeah. She said, are you serious? I said, yeah. She said, I said, I will come by here, by your office. And all you do is just teach me how to buy a house. So she taught me about having great credit, mm-hmm. about having no debt when you graduate. Don't do what the college students do, which is get a lot of these credit cards. Don't take out student loans, all this other stuff, right? And so I went to see her. For three and a half, because I graduated early. I only went to see her for three and a half years. Yeah. And by the time I was getting ready to graduate, I already had a job offer. She told me that, Joe, you can actually qualify for a house if you have a contract, yep. if you're working. And I worked for the federal government coming out of college. Mm. Was hired working for the um, Department of Health and Human Services. Yeah. And I was a PR person for them. And she says, they, they can use that as showing that, hey, he has a job offer so we can get you qualified for a house. She found a foreclosure. Wow. for me. And I was able, and I only needed $2,500 for the down payment. Oh my gosh. Cause she said, Joe, you don't need all the money. You just need money for the down payment. But because it was a foreclosure, I only had to come up with $2,500. But guess what? She also told me you need to be saving up for your down payment. Yeah. It wasn't even all, I saved more money than $2,500 by the time I graduated. Mm. So I was ready to buy my first home. Wow. So, but you see, what did I do? I asked, Yep. Ms. Wilcox gave me answers. Yep. And what did I do? I took action. Now, I did that when I wrote my first book. I did that when I got my doctor degree. I yeah. did that when I became a professor. I did that when I started my first business. I, everything I've ever achieved, I've ever done, I asked. I was humble enough. That's the key, Jared. Yep. Humble enough to say, I don't have the answers. Now you see why I get into men's ministry. Yeah. We don't want to ask. I don't know how to be a dad. Yeah. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't yeah. know how to be this. I don't know how to be that. I started this when I was back as a freshman. Of asking out of humility, then check this out. Then I listened for the wisdom, for the answers. And I would write down everything they told me, Jared, everything they told me. Now, that was the easy part. Guess what the hard part is? Taking action. Taking action and obeying. Yep. Yep. And that's another thing we struggle with as men. We don't obey. We know what to do, but we won't do it. We always use the excuse, I don't know. Mm. But what happens when we do know, we still don't do. Mm. And so I'm a massive action taker. If I had to describe myself, that has gotten me this far is mm. being a massive actor. One, being humble enough to ask and say, God, I don't know. Yeah. But give me the answers. And God, if I know the answers, I'll do it. Now, this kind of, you know, we're talking about this story, this from rags to riches to ruin to redemption. 
Now check this out. I Hold ended on. up. I want, I want I want to pause you there before you get into that next sure. part of the story because I want I want guys to really catch this for who for the guys that are listening. There are guys who are listening right now who are feeling like I didn't come from a home where anyone was teaching me how to be a good dad right. or a good husband. I don't know how to be a spiritual leader, or maybe you feel like God's leading something on your heart. It could be something as practical as I don't even know how to buy a home. Uh, right. I don't know I don't know how to start a business, and that's something that I feel like I want to do to help support my family or bring in extra ink. whatever it is that's like on your heart for the guy listening right now, whether that's learning how to lead your family well, figuring out how to make some more income to lead your family, you know, get yourself in a more stress-free place, whatever it is, humble yourself enough to say, all right, God, you've laid this on my heart. I've got a desire to be a better dad, a better husband, uh, to a, a better job, a business, whatever. Now, God, who do you need to put in my life? Right. And who can I start going to right now to start humbling myself enough to say, hey, will you teach me? Will you teach me how to do X, Y, Z? So I just want guys to like very practically hear that. What is it that's on your heart right now? And and then begin to pray. I just prayed this the other day, man. I was I was actually in this room. I was I always come in this room and I put my face on the ground. And I spent some time in prayer and I was just praying, God, who needs to come into my life that's mm-hmm. going to teach me something that I need to learn? Uh, and so, man, that that's such good advice. I, I don't want guys to miss that. But all right, let's let's dive into the, that next. But you're, part of your story. you're absolutely right. Um, I haven't, I didn't get here by myself, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I knew, I, I know that God has called me to ministry because um, people say, hear my story. And they say, man, rags to riches. Wow. What a great American story, man. How this guy came from nothing to this, man. You're talking about, man, having multiple homes, owning businesses, dude, it, life couldn't get any better. And I had quote, the perfect life. I had a wife, had a son, mm-hmm. um, had a dog, <laughs> you know, and just, we, we owned, she owned a business. I, I was running my own business. Wife didn't have to work if she didn't want to. And I was in my twenties, you know, yeah. you're talking about twenties Yeah. and I'm traveling all over the world, all over the country. And Jared, I lost it all mm. before I was 30. Wow. And I fell into a pornography. Mm. I fell into a sex addiction. Mm. Um, and I lost my, my wealth, I risked my health, lost a 16 year marriage. Mm. And it's, it's funny because when I was at the height in my 20s, I was asked to be on television shows, radio shows, speaking all over the country um, of be sharing my story. I'm speaking at colleges and universities. I was probably lecturing on more than 500 campuses across this country, worked with over probably 750 school districts. Everybody wants to hear my story. Tell me your story. But nobody asked me, how did I lose it all before mm-hmm. I was 30? And one lady had me on her radio show. And she was so impressed with my resume, with what I had achieved. I said, but that's not the reason why I'm on your show. She said, what do you mean? I said, you asked me to come on the show to tell you, ask, tell you what does it take for men to succeed? Yeah. It's not what I did. I said, now, it's great. I said, I had the uh, great foundation of humility, of asking. I had a hunger for wisdom. God says, if, you, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask, and he would mm-hmm. give it to him generously without reproach. Mm-hmm. And then I had an obedient spirit which God said, man, obedience over sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Now do what I say. And I did those things, Jared, but I didn't put God at the center of it. Mm. And she asked me, so then what happened? How'd you lose it all before 30? I said, because everything I've ever achieved in my life, I always found somebody who did it. I asked them how they did it. I listened to what they, the answer they gave me and I took action. But Jared, when I wanted to become a better husband, a better father, a spiritual leader. Guess what, Jared? Didn't have anybody to ask. Mm. I just told you I grew up in a neighborhood. It was only one couple. 
I never saw it walked out in front of me. And I didn't even know I needed to know. Right. There's one thing not to know. There's another thing where you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I thought this is what my, my formula was that I don't need to go find some dad who's doing it successfully or find some husband. All I know is this. I just got to be better than my dad. Mm, right. You know, Which my dad says, left. So I stay. I just thought yeah. saying, I'm going to do the opposite of what my dad did. He yep. left. So I'm going to stay. Yep. I'm going to be present. And that sounds good on the surface. But here's the problem. I'm using the wrong standard. Mm. Because if you ask me, what did I, how would I rate my dad from a one to a 10 on what he meant to me in my life at the time? Because my dad now is now reconciled. We have a good relationship now. Mm. And that's a whole nother story. I'm sure. But from one to 10, I would say my dad, when I was growing up, was probably a one or two. Mm. Now, Jared, do you see the flaw in that? I'm going to be a better man than my dad. All I got to do is be a three. Right. And a three wasn't enough for my ex-wife mm. and my son. Mm. They needed more. They needed a spiritual lead. They needed someone who could lead them well. Yeah. They needed a real man, not just a successful male in the home. Yeah. You you said that you, a 16-year marriage failed, but before you were 30. So what at what point did you actually get divorced and, and what led to all that? What led to it was I, was, I became a serial adulterer. Mm. And I had to come up with that term, Jared, because um, I couldn't find a word to describe what I did to my, my ex-wife. Mm. This was a woman who we met while she was a senior in high school. I was a freshman. So we were like childhood sweethearts. Yeah. I fell in love with, and she saved herself for me. Mm. So she had never been with, oh man, never been with another man before. Mm. And I let the success go to my head thinking, Jared, I did it. Mm. Now I grew up in the church, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. I just had fire insurance. I know I go to church. I've been going to church since I was nine. Mm-hmm. My mom made us go to church even when she didn't. Mm. And so I only went to church so I can go outside and play mm. because she said you couldn't go outside unless you went to church. Mm. So I never had a relationship with Christ. So I'm checking all the boxes. Okay, I'm going to heaven because I believe in God. But yeah. guess what? I also found the devil believes in God too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm checking all the boxes. And so what I didn't understand is we had it all. Why is she complaining? Mm. Why is she saying you're not spending enough time with me? You can get all the time in the world. What are you talking about? Mm. What, what, how come all we get to travel all over the world? We get to travel, all, do all this stuff. How come you're still not happy? Because what she didn't, what she didn't have was my heart. Mm. We didn't have a heart connection. Yep. I loved her. She loved me. But guess what? I didn't tell her, Jared, that I was sexually abused for three years. I still mm. was holding on to that secret. Mm. I didn't tell her the nights that we starved that my sister used to have to steal food to feed us. Mm. See, I thought I had gotten past all of that. Yeah. So, Jared, why do I need to tell you now of what my childhood was like when you would never know? Right. You will never know that I watched my friend get his head blown off right in front of me. All this is trauma. And I see it now as I look back. It was not fair to her mm. for me to drag all of that into this relationship. Professing my love for her, but trying to suppress yep. all the nightmares. Jared, I used to get nightmares. I, sometimes I would wake up punching her, elbowing her. And she's like, what's wrong? And you know what I would say, like a dude, oh, nothing, nothing. I just had a nightmare. Right. But it was my cousin raping me. Mm. You know, it, it, it was the trauma of me being shot at when I was around my friends. And I would not tell her any of this stuff. I wasn't sharing this with anybody. Mm. And so... When the pressure got big and I couldn't handle the pressure, I started looking for medication like most men do. 
Mm. How can I suppress these demons? And to start out with a little thing, just a little porn. Yeah. You know, I tell people, I mean, especially I should know this growing up in Miami, a little porn is like a little crack. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have a little crack, you know, just not something you dabble with. Right. You don't just right. dabble in it. Right. You know, it's not a recreational drug. Yep. And so I dabbled in porn, but also, Jared, I had the means. Mm. And when I tell you I became a serial adulterer because I call it a serial adulterer because you, when you lose track of the bodies. Mm. I can't give you a number of how many times I cheated on my wife and how many women I've been with because mm. I've lost count. Wow. But I know when I was trying to save my marriage, it got this bad when I was trying to save it. I'm being totally honest with her now because I got to yeah. tell everything now. Yeah. Yeah. And she started asking me, how many women has it been? And I said, I, I was too many than I can count. She wow. says, was it more than 10? Yeah. Was it more than 50? Yeah. Was it more than 100? Yeah. Please stop asking me. Mm. I had to stop her wow, because I didn't want her to keep going until a number that sound roughly close wow. to what I did to her. Wow. And so you can imagine what kind of level of grace would she had to extend me to forgive all that. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean she couldn't do it, but for her, she wasn't spiritually at that level because I was spiritually quote. Now check this out. I'm putting this in air quotes. They can't see this. <laughs> I was spiritually more mature than she was. <laughs> And yet I'm doing all of this stuff. Yeah. So you imagine what that did to her faith. Oh, I'm sure. What that did to her Prince Charming. What in the world? Who is this man? Is this, is that really him? Or was it the man I married? Was that him before this? Yeah. Not realizing that wasn't who I was. It's just what I did. Yeah. I know this now because I couldn't do a show like this. I couldn't do what I'm doing and speak without shame, mm -hmm. without guilt being guilt ridden. If I realize now that I'm not what I do, I am who I am in Christ. I'm what he says I am, not what you think I am, Jared. Yeah. I'm not what I did. I'm what he's done for me. Yep. And so my identity has been transformed and I understand now how to receive his grace and his forgiveness. Now it's easy for me now to extend it to other people. So she left after all of that, which didn't really, um, it got me upset, but I couldn't really blame right. her for yeah. because she had every right. She had a biblical right to divorce me. And so I was in my pit. That was the ruined part of my life because now I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. Cause how do you make it out of all of that and do all that before you're um, 20 something and then lose before you get to your, you know, before you reach 40 and said, now, where am I? What am I doing? And wouldn't you know, God spared me by not allowing me to lose my livelihood, which I easily could have lost. Because I'm working in schools. Yeah. And with that kind of background, yeah. you know, of what I've done. But God let me survive that. But then he told me, now I'm going to do a new thing with you. Mm. I want you to work with men. Mm. And I was kicking and screaming, God, you that got to be from the devil. Because God, you know me. I don't <laughs> even like men. I hate them. Matter of fact, I'd rather be around women. Right. And I say hate, Jared. I mean, hated yeah. men. Yeah. Hated men. And I said, God, why in the world would you want me to do this? But what changed my life around, even in that season, was guess what? A man. Mm. It was my spiritual father, um, Howard Mintz, who came into my life, this man who came to my life with eight kids. Mm. And just how I met him is just a remarkable story. God's fingerprints are all over it. Because I easily could have not met him, but based on me obeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I end up meeting him. He ends up giving you the short it of it. He ended up taking me under his wing and I built a relationship with him over the last 15 years mm. and it has transformed my life. And I remember telling him one day when we were at dinner, I said, Howard, 
because he taught me how to have a real relationship with Christ. I'm talking mm. about seek him yeah. on a daily basis. Like you said, you go to your office, you fall on the floor before your face. He taught me how to do that. Yeah. He taught me how to have a quiet time. He taught me how to journal. He taught me how to pray. He taught me how to disciple my son. Mm. He taught me how to be a man, um, a legacy man, a generational man, not a, 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 a situational man. Yep. He taught me how to lead. And so I remember asking Howard, at, uh, we were having lunch, and I said, Howard, um, what can I ever do to repay you? What can I do? He said, Joe, you don't owe me anything, but I will ask you to do one thing for me. I said, what's that? He says, go make disciples. Mm. He says, I want you to do for others what I did for you. He yeah. said, Jesus told us, go make disciples. Because and he had told me something like that before, but he kept seeing it over and over. And this time I finally received it because years prior to that, he, I, you know, I've been in education and I was telling him, and now my life is being turned around. I'm not working with men. And I remember going to Howard one day and I said, Howard, um, you know, I got a platform to reach educators, superintendents, principals, school districts, man. I mean, I'm the catch me out when it comes to education. I mean, I'm out there, man. I said, I'm on television, man. I said, what message should I be getting across now that I got this new life? What message should I be getting across out there so I need to tell the school system? And Howard told me, oh, by the way, he was in education too. He's now retired. Mm. He says, Joe, they're not going to listen. I said, Howard, you don't know me. I got a big mouth, man. I said, I got a big <laughs> platform. You can Tell me, man, I'll drive it home. Tell me. He says, Joe, I'm in education. You're in education, but they're not ready for the solution. I said, what, what do you want me to tell them? He says, Joe, it's the man. Mm. Joe, they got to reach the man because when they reach the man, Joe, they're going to heal the home. Because you reach that man, you fix the marriage. You fix the family. Joe, the home gets healed. You change a neighborhood. You change a community. You change a city. You change a state. You change a nation. He said, Joe, it takes us. We need to disciple the men. Yeah. Wow. And we're not doing it. And I kind of like, okay, I said, okay, that, that sounds right. I said, well, let me, okay, let me take this message to the world. Mm. And Jared, I did. And guess what? They weren't buying it. Now, mm. let me give them credit. They would say, Joe, that is awesome. I'm talking about superintendents, principals, yeah. school. That is awesome. Yeah, Joe, you're right. I said, we need to get the men more involved. You need to hire more male teachers. You need to do all this stuff, right? And they said, Joe, that is great. And then they tell me this, Jared. So again, now how are you going to help us raise these test scores? <laughs> right. No matter what I said, it always went back around to test scores. Yeah. To how do we get them into college? Yep. And there's a lot of dads out there who are listening now. They're breaking their backs to get their kids into college. Mm. They're breaking their backs to get them a great education. I don't have anything against bad, uh, good education. I'm living proof of a good education. But you notice that didn't change my life around. What changed right. my life around was my relationship with Christ and being discipled yep. by a real man. A yep. godly man. And so I kept getting this pushback. But at the same time, Jared, they're still paying me to come out to all this, do all these trainings and everything. And it's like God was relentless. He would not let me rest. Mm. And he kept hearing, I kept hearing Howard's voice, make disciples, make disciples. And then God told me to step away from it. And he says, I want you to do men's ministry. Mm. And Jared, I had no clue what I was doing. But you know what I did, Jared? I asked, <laughs> I got answers and I took action. And the rest they say is history. Yeah. We ended up launching a podcast that's now in 136 countries. Mm. Um, just amazing, reaching men all over the world. I speak and lecture um, 
at churches all over the country, speaking at men's conferences. Um, I train and mentor men. I disciple men. Mm. Man, I'm entrenched in this. I live, eat, and breathe disciple making. I had a, we had a donor to our ministry um, um, ask me, um, I guess it was last year. He says, Joe, uh, what's your vision for Real Men Connect? And I gave him our mission statement, you know. Yeah. You know, we want to change the world for Christ, you know, three, you know, all that stuff. He said, no, no, not that one. I'm not talking about the one you have written down in your office. He said, Joe, off the record, what do you really want to do? And yeah. Jared, I looked around. I said, um, I want to become the Nick Saban of disciple making. Mm. <laughs> <I told> <laughs> he says, what? I said, I don't even like Nick Saban. <laughs> I said, I don't even like Alabama. He says, why, why, you, why'd you say that? I said, because look at what Nick Saban does. Mm. They don't win the championship every year, but they're always competing. And how has he competed at such a high level? He recruits the best athletes, or even if they're not the best, he coaches them up. Yeah. And he gets the great coaches. And even if they're not great coaches, he coaches them up and they coach the players. And Nick, Nick Saban does it so well that other schools come and hire his coaches to run their teams at Division I schools. But yet he doesn't drop off. He just retools. Yeah. Sound like Jesus to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I said, I don't know what Nick Saban believes. <laughs> I said, <laughs> yeah. but he's following the right formula. Yeah. I said, I want to be that. Mm. I want to be that. I said, I want to spend the rest of my life making disciples. So no man ever has to say, I don't know how to be a father. Mm. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to spiritually lead my family. I don't know how to have devotionals with my children. I don't know how to represent Christ on my job. I don't know how to pursue the vision that God has given me for ministry, for business, to create a product, to write a book. I don't want any man to ever, I want to eliminate all the excuses we use for not knowing. Because I know now why God put me in education, because when education, we used to label children. Oh, Jared's ADHD, he's ADD. And I realized, Jared, there's a, a something that happened to our boys in school of a learning disability that was undiagnosed. And I see it still happening today in this ABT. Ain't been taught. Mm. That was me. I wasn't taught. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know how to do it. Didn't know where to go. Didn't know where to start. All the things I was out there for me to learn how to start a business. Right. How to write books. How to get I used to work. I worked for the Florida governor's office in my 20s. In my as a communications director, who does that? But everything I did, it was I asked, I got answers, and I took action. But I'm thinking all that stuff I majored in the world and gained the whole world, but lost my soul. Mm. And now I'm majoring in the majors. Mm. Now what I do, I follow men and I learn from men who are in love with Christ, mm. who their families are in love with them. That their faith make other people jealous. Mm. I love men like that. Yeah. And I want to get connected to them and I will hang with them. I have at least right now, I got about six coaches, mm. mentors, personal. And people are shocked. Because I mentor a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They said, Joe, you got six? And yeah, I said, and that's, I said, and to me, that's not enough. Mm. Because I said, have you ever heard a man ever, Jared, ever say these words? I got too many great men in my life. I need to cut some of them loose. <laughs> right. You know, I just got too many. I don't need another good friend like Jared. I, I got enough. <laughs> right. So my thinking is this. If 
No one's complaining about having too many. Then maybe that implies that we can't ever have enough. Mm. So I'm constantly recruiting. Remember Nick Saban, I'm constantly recruiting mentors. I'm, I'm constantly recruiting, I'm not saying he's mentor, I'm talking about Pauls. Mm. I'm constantly re- recruiting Barnabases, mm-hmm. that brother who's going to be right beside me. Mm. And I'm constantly recruiting Timothys to raise up. Mm. And that's what I've dedicated my life to. And God has mis- restored. Now I'm married again. Mm. Now my son and my daughter, I have a daughter who's not my biological daughter, but you can't convince her that I'm not her daddy. Mm. Mm. And I realize now the true relationship that a parent has with a child. And Jared, you're going to be mad because I know you just had, you have a new baby too, didn't you? Not too yeah. long ago, you That's had another right. child, yeah, right? Yep. Now, Jared, you're going to hate when I say this and make sure your wife never listens to this episode. <laughs> I think biological children are overrated. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I learned that when I got remarried mm. with my daughter, who her dad abandoned her when she was five. Mm. And I'm going to see if I can keep myself together on this, Jared, because you're going to get what I mean by Biological children, biological children overrated. My son complimented me one day. He said, Dad, if I didn't know any better, I would think Faith, that's my daughter's name, is your biological daughter. Because, Dad, you don't treat her any different than you treat me. Mm. Now, my daughter would tell you I treat her better than I treat my son. <laughs> but I don't agree with that. But I just treat her differently. And he says, Dad, he says, I'm telling you, if I didn't know any better, I would think you were her biological dad. Mm. And I told my son this. I said, Kendall, what you don't understand you had no choice who your daddy was. I said, you've been calling me daddy since you were born. And I said, and you didn't get to pick me. Mm. She picked me. Because mm. Jared, when she first met me, Jared, she used to call me Mr. Joseph. Mm. And Jared, one day she came to me, she was crying. And she said, daddy, um, she said, oh, she said, Mr. Joseph, I want to call you daddy so bad, but I don't know why I can't. Because what she felt like she was being betraying her biological father, who she did know, but he just left. Mm. And I said, baby, it's okay. You don't have to call me daddy. Because I know you love me and I love you. So I took all the pressure off her, Jared. I was like, it's not that big of a deal. That's what I thought. It's not that big of a deal. Jared, until the day she did it, and Jared, I lost it. She wrecked me, man. When she called me daddy, my son's been calling me daddy his whole life. It ain't sound the same, Jared. Mm. It ain't sound the same, man. Same words. And I realize now the relationship the father has with me, he's not my biological daddy. Mm. But he adopted me and said, I won't force you to call me Abba. But when you do, our relationship is going to change. Mm. I give you the permission to call me daddy. And so when she says it, I know I earned the title. Mm. Uh, Because of my faithfulness, Jared. I don't love my son any less. But Jared, I'm just being honest with you, man. It's different. And here I thought, God, I blew up my marriage. How can you ever forgive me? God, how can I ever be in your good graces? God, how can you ever love a a wretched man like me with so much blood on his hands that I'm waiting to find a man who sent more than I did? God, how could you ever do anything with me? How could you ever 
do anything for me because God, you don't owe me anything. The fact that you haven't, you let me live is enough, but what could you have for me? And out of his grace, he gives me a daughter who's not even biologically mine and say, I'm going to show you the love. I said, you know how you love that girl? Did she have to earn it? No. Did she have to beg you for it? No. Does she always make you happy? No. <laughs> but how much do you love her? Yeah. Did you treat her any differently than you treat your own son? No. Why? Because God, because I love her. Mm. And there's nothing she can do to separate me from my love. Nothing. Jared, it's like God does work things out for good. Because God, I would never learn this lesson from God any other way than me getting off the beaten trail and, and resisting him, turning with me. He says, even, even you can't mess up my plans for you. Mm. Joe, you're not good enough to mess up my plans for you. Mm. And I hope a lot of men out there who are listening to this, they think they've done too much, Jared, that they can't yeah. turn their life around. You're giving yourself too much credit. <laughs> even you can't ruin your life to, point, to the point that God said, you know what? All right, this is out of my control now. There's nothing word. else I can do. Jared, word. you just went too far on this one, man. I can't do anything now. You, you tied my hands. That's a good word. Even we can't mess his plans up. His That's plans right. are good. They are perfect. Yeah. Joe, uh, there are going to be a lot of guys who are going to think through, I need about three more hours of your story because you just dropped so much stuff, man. And I, I, I had just a million more questions that I wanted to get to. Um, so I'm going to say this to the listeners, cause I know you guys are going to be intrigued by more of what Joe has to say. He, he's got a podcast and he's dropping great stuff every week, right? You, when your episodes mm-hmm. come out every year. Yeah, uh, we come, we set, we put out podcasts two a week. One is kind of a kind of short devotional that I'm just kind of sharing from my personal life. Yeah. And then one is when we interview guests, just like you interviewing me, we bring guests on the show. Yeah. You've been on twice yeah, man. on our show yeah. and so, and blessed our audience. So we bring guests like you on all the time. Dude, it, this has been so good, man. I uh, It's rare that I'm finding myself crying in the middle of an interview, and uh, you, you just brought me closer to Jesus, man. Um, I, I feel like it, I would do a disservice to some listeners because I know you've mentioned some parts in your story about the sexual abuse, mm-hmm. and I imagine that there are guys who are hearing that who still have that buried deep in them and that haven't shared with anyone, and they carry that shame and that hurt and that pain. Um, I guess, what would you say to that guy who might be listening, who's dealing with that? You know, Jared, when I first launched my podcast, I actually intended my podcast to reach that man Mm. because it took um, three years of counseling, seven years of recovery Mm. that I went through, Celebrate Recovery, Mm -hmm. SAA, which is Sex Addict Anonymous. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot to deal with the, um, the shame and the guilt yeah. Um, of my past. And what I realized that as great as those programs were, what I really needed was an, um, an identity change. Because a lot of times when you're in recovery and when you're in counseling, they get you to own your, your addiction and what has happened to your, even your abuse. But what they don't um, get you to do is to change your identity, focus on your identity. And so for the man out there who's experienced um, sexual abuse, we just did a show on this, which I got a pastor from Canada to come on to talk to us about it. And people tell me that they've never heard a show where two men are talking about being sexually abused, where 
they're laughing, crying, and mm. sharing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And they say, wow, these guys really are walking in victory over this. Here's what I would say to that man. You're not alone. It wasn't your fault. I know because I used to blame myself. I know you're not alone because I realized I didn't know until I opened up my mouth and shared with other men that there was other men who went through what I went through. Mm. So it's not your fault. There's other men out there who who have gone through this. You're not what happened to you. You're going to be how you respond to this. My son asked me. I told my son about it when he was nine. And this is what I would share to the men. That was one of the hardest things to tell my son that you were sexually abused as a child. And my son was in tears, Jared. Mm. Was in tears. I said, Kim, no, daddy's all right. Daddy's okay. I'm good and everything. He said, dad, I know that. But he said, daddy, why didn't you? Tell somebody. I said, Kendall, because I was ashamed. I was scared because this man was taking care of me. And I thought they would blame me. And I said, Kendall, if I can go back and change one thing in my life. Now, Jared, I just shared a lot about my story. And I want the men out there who are going through this to listen to what I'm saying because my son didn't understand it until I explained it. I said, Kendall, if I can go back and change one thing in my life, I say, I will go back to 12-year-old little Joe and say, tell somebody. Mm. Open up your mouth, son. I know you can't trust everybody, but you're going to have to trust somebody. But you got to open up your mouth and tell somebody. And my son said, Dad, that's what you would go back and change it. But, Dad, why wouldn't you change the person abusing you? Stop him from abusing you. I said, Kendall, because you can't control what other people do. See, what he did to me, Jared, he did it to my body. And I'm telling the man that what that person, that man or female did to you when you were a child, they did it to your body. Mm. Don't let them do it to your soul. Mm. See, what he, and I told my son, Kendall, what he did, did my body, I can never change. And guess what? I can get healing from that. But what I allowed him to do to my soul impacted you, mm. your mother, my relationships. I said, Kendall, that's... I said, do you see now why I did some of the stupid stuff that I did? It wasn't because I was a bad person. I was this awful person. It was my response to how I viewed and looked at myself, my identity. I must be worthless. So why why would this man molest me? Mm. I must not be worth anything because why is my mom drinking all the time? I must not be any good. Why would my dad leave me? Are you seeing it, Jared? Why am I, why is my dad leaving me? So of course, guess what I'm going to look when I look for, I must not be a man to be raped by another man. Mm. So now I'm going to validate my masculinity and get my validation in everything but God. Mm. And I said, son, and that did not work out. And I ended up breaking your, your wife, your mom's heart, ruining our marriage and destroying our family. So to that man out there, it's never too late to tell somebody. And Jared, I'm putting this on my heart that I want to make sure you have my email address if they need to talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, please. They can reach out to me because, man, once we did that show, Jared, I couldn't get anybody to come forward. After I did that show, 
And we've had guys email us now telling me their story. And now what I want to do, Jared, on our show is once, at least once a quarter, I want to bring a guy on to yeah. talk to me about it. Yeah. Because, Jared, I'm telling you, there's something wrong when one out of every six men are sexually abused as children, yet one out of 60,000 churches are talking about it on Sundays. Yeah. That's why the enemy is winning when it comes to men. Yeah. Because we're hiding in the shadows, in the darkness, and it's impacting negatively our relationships. Joe, you are being used as a giant spotlight to uh, bring the kingdom of God into dark places, man. And I'm so grateful to hear a piece of your story. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us today, man. You have blessed me and I know a lot of men. Thank you, bro. Well, thank you, Jared, for having me on. And that's what we're trying to do, man. We're trying to take um, light into the darkness. because Darkness can't exist when there's light, man. All that's it right. takes is just a match. That's right. It breaks the darkness. So thank you for having me on, man. And bless this ministry. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. Hope that was helpful for you. If it was, there's two ways that you could be helpful to us as a ministry. Uh, number one, just leave us a rating. We always appreciate that and it helps us get in front of more people. And number two, share this with a friend. If you know a tired dad that could use some encouragement, make sure you hit the share button and send this over to him. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. See you.